You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas to break down this Saturday's UFC on ESPN 9 event, which takes place in the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Vegas 9 features a nine-fight card in total, and we aired exclusively on ESPN Plus this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a bantamweight fight featuring Cole Smith, who is seven and one, taking on Hunter Azure, who is eight and one. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? A couple quick notes here before we get rolling. You guys have a limited time. Football season, NFL football season starts next week. So make sure you head over to CircusSports.com and check out the Circa Sports Million and the Circa Survivor Contest. Two awesome football contests that Circa is putting on here in Vegas. Check out all the details at CircusSports.com. And also, the opening odds from this podcast are originating from MMAOddsBreaker.com's article from Adam Martin which is titled Opening Odds for UFC on EPN Plus 34 Overeem versus Sakai. So make sure you check out the opening odds from there. And the updated odds that I will be quoting are from Circa Sports here in Las Vegas. So those are going to be the current odds that I'm quoting. Now, getting right into the card, um, Azure open minus 185, the comeback on Smith at plus 160. And right now what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is Azure minus 212, the comeback on Smith at plus 182. This is an interesting fight. I think Cole Smith is a little bit underrated. I think Azure is a little bit probably overrated. It's, it's to a certain extent. I like what I see from him. I know he's kind of an up-and-coming fighter, and sort of speak, not the youngest fighter, I'm saying as far as MMA years, UFC years, whatnot. Um, he's getting better all the time. He's got some speed. He's got some power. He's got some pretty good movement and ability on the feet for sure. Um, I like what I see from him there. He's got some wrestling, obviously. Also, the, the stand-up is catching up to his grinding and his wrestling game. Uh, but defensively, he's got some holes, obviously, and I mean, he tends to slow down as the fight progresses a little bit. So those are two things you got to watch out for uh, with the Hunter Azure. But that being said, the other side of it, uh, Smith is a very complete fighter. He's a pretty decent, maybe underrated stand-up game. That's not kind of what he's known for, though, either. It's, it's a grappling and wrestling game in his own right. So I think the wrestling and the grappling should neutralize each other out. I think Smith is a more technical grappler of the two, but I think Azure is going to be a little bit stronger and more capable of controlling this fight and probably has a better stand-up. So that's why you're seeing him as a favorite here. So I think Cole Smith is probably going to keep this fight a lot closer than everybody anticipates, but it's hard to pick him in the spot. So I will go Azure. Um, and it's at this point right now where the line is, honestly, as it creeps up, I think it's kind of a pass situation. But my pick is Azure to win the fight. And I'm right with you. The main thing here is Azure won his first couple fights in the UFC using his grappling and wrestling and mixing it with his striking. Last time out, um, he was kind of focused entirely on striking. He pushed way too hard of a pace. He slowed down. He got caught. He lost. But that was at featherweight. He's dropping down to bantamweight. He was already a decent-sized featherweight, so I think he is going to just dwarf uh, Cole Smith this fight. And uh, Smith has 
one skill set similar to Azure's, he is a pretty good wrestler. But other than that, you know, I think Azure just outclasses him everywhere else. So as long as the the grappling kind of balances out, I just don't see how Smith wins unless Azure completely gasses out trying to knock him out in the first round or something. Or maybe uh, the weight cut saps him too much. But it seemed like he weighed, made weight no problem. And I just think he's going to be bigger, stronger, and... I think he'll bully Cole Smith in the in the cage in open space, and he's just going to outstrike him over the course of three rounds. And I think the wrestling is going to be a bit of a wash between the two. So Azure's going to be my pick as well. Now, moving way up to the heavyweight division, we have Marcus Rogerio de Lima, who is 17-6-1, taking on Alexander Romanov, who is 11-0. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Market price for Romanov, open minus 330. The comeback into Lima, plus 270. Right now, what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is Romanov coming in at minus 137. The comeback, plus 117. This fight was a pick fight, flipped for, towards Delima for a little bit. Now we're seeing action come back on Romanov. So reaction was all over Delima at the price. There's no question about it. This should be much, much closer to a pick type of fight. So I think the current line is a lot more accurate what the opening price was. I mean, you have two big boys here. I know DeLima has fought in lighter divisions in the past, but, I mean, since he has moved to heavyweight, he's looked okay. He's explosive. He's powerful. He is getting better. He's definitely a dangerous uh, fighter in all aspects of the game. He has the ability to finish you offensively on the ground with BJJ. He's got power on the feet as well. So he's not a bad offensive fighter. It's just defensively, I think, is where is a concern with DeLima. I mean, he's been finished before in fights. Uh, I think he is a question mark as far as a little bit of conditioning and, again, just on the ground or the feet, it defensively flawed a little bit um, as a whole. So he, he's definitely a, a guy that can be uh, stopped and finished. Romanov, a big, powerful guy. He's got a wrestling background. He's got pretty decent stand-up. I mean, I wish he kind of flowed a little bit better than I, I see. He's a little bit, uh, I don't want to say stiff, but he's so big and wide that sometimes, obviously, you can kind of telegraph and see his uh, attacks coming. But other than that, I mean, when he lands, he definitely has some power behind it. And again, I mean, on the ground, he's got vicious ground to pound. He's for the takedown and wants to get on top and work it. So I think he should be the slight favorite, like I said, from the beginning in this spot. But I think both these guys are capable of having success. So it's tough to lay the chalk right now, whether it's minus 137, 140-ish, whatever the market is out there. I, th- I think the line kind of value is getting away from you. I, th- I want to lean Romanoff, and I'm going to pick him to win this fight because I-, I do like what I see from him, and I think he's the type of fighter that continues to get better each fight too. So I'm expecting to see the best version we've seen from Romanoff um, in this point, but it's hard to lay it against a dangerous offensive fighter like Delima. So my pick is Romanoff. But again, I mean, if you got this fight at a pick type of price exactly, definitely some value on Romanoff. But as it creeps up to minus 140 or above, you got to be careful here. Now, it, you can't quite discount Delima in this fight because he is so powerful and he can knock out anybody. Um, it just takes one good shot and he could finish Romanov. Uh, Romanov is coming in with some hype. I mean, the guy had a ton on a really fast first round finishes. He has gone the distance once, um, but then followed that up with a slam knockout, um, before, uh, coming in to the UFC. And they were planning on throwing him in there against some pretty good fighters, you know, Pessoa, Tibora, guys with some experience. I think the UFC really is high on Romanov and, uh, for good reason. I mean, this guy is ferocious. Um, the biggest thing for me is if Delima doesn't knock him out quick, I don't think he wins. I, I don't see Delima winning a decision. Delima is not good off of his back. He eats too much 
uh, punishment from ground and pound off of his back, and he can be potentially submitted uh, a little too easily. So I think if DeLima does not clip Romanov and take him out in the first round, I think at some point Romanov gets into the ground and just starts going to work. And I think that's where we'll see Romanov get a finish from top position more likely than not. But DeLima, if you're going to play... Uh, be picking Delima for getting the win. You might as well bet him by knockout because that's the I think the only way he wins. But um, my pick is going to be Romanov. I think he could win by knockout, could win by submission as long as he can drag this to the floor. Now we're dropping down to the women's flyweight division. We have Montana De La Rosa, who is eleven and five, taking on Vivian Araujo, who is eight and two. Now Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? This fight open exactly pick minus 110 either way. And right now over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Rajao minus 170, the comeback in De La Rosa at plus 150. Rajao, obviously the rightful favorite in this spot. Betters came in early, took that price up, and now it's sitting where it's at. But I still think this is going to be an interesting fight. I think Rajao is probably a difficult fight for De La Rosa at this point. De La Rosa getting the fight to the ground, utilizing her grappling skill set. Trying to finish the fight by submission. Her stand-up is improving constantly, but she's definitely defensively flawed on the feet, hittable, and she could get bullied on the feet at times, as we've seen. Um, so that's a problem here against Arajao. I think Arajao is definitely more capable stand-up fighter. I think she's got decent takedown defense, and she's a good grappler in her own right. So I think stylistically, especially at a pick em price, you guys that came in and grabbed that 110, you're definitely on the right track. But as the line creeps up to almost minus 200 or so, De La Rosa probably going to hang in there. And again, you have another fighter that's constantly improving her overall game, has that hunger to kind of climb towards the top, and that's what you get with De La Rosa. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is a much more difficult fight than we all think for Rajao. But I do, again, see the advantages more towards Rajao in this spot. So I'm going to pick her to win. Um, but again, at the price, as it's creeped up 170, minus 180 out there, I would kind of leave it alone. It's a dog or pass situation probably in, in that extent. But again, pick them price, you got to leave with the Rajah. So the pick is a Rajah for me. This one's pretty straightforward. It's a striker versus grappler matchup. De La Rosa wants to get it down. Araujo wants to keep it upright. Um, and on the ground, De La Rosa, if she can get top position, she can absolutely win this fight. But can she get top position? Her biggest weakness and flaw to her game is, while she is very strong around, she just does not have that great ability at getting a fight to the floor. Uh, her wrestling is just not there. Um, the the clinch trips, like just whatever, however she wants to get this fight to the floor, it's just not easy for her. And Araujo is strong. She has pretty good defensive wrestling. I don't see De La Rosa easily dragging this fight to the floor. And on the feet, De La Rosa is completely outclassed here. I mean, Araujo went up to Bantamweight and knocked out a Bantamweight, a legit Bantamweight. She has power. She has technique. Um, as long as Araujo keeps this fight upright, I think she wins handily. It just boils down to her pacing herself, her... Uh, utilizing distance properly and not overcommitting to strikes and giving up an easy takedown because uh, De-, De La Rosa is going to be telegraphing takedowns because she just does not have that, you know, double leg, you know, power shot. So uh, I think Araujo keeps this up and I think she batters De La Rosa over the course round, if not potentially getting a stoppage victory along the way. So Araujo is my pick. Now moving up to the middleweight division, we have Bartos Fabinski, who is 50- 15 and 3, taking on Andre Muniz, who is 19 and 4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? 
Fabinski open minus 140, Muniz minus, or plus 120, minus 140, plus 120. And right now over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Fabinski minus 165, the comeback of Muniz at plus 145. So more action coming Fabinski's way. It did pass where it's at now, but uh, action did come in on Muniz and then line drop back down a little bit. So there is two-way action with a little bit more action overall coming in on Fabinski in this spot. Fabinski is just a beast, man. I mean, talk about ultimate grinder. That's exactly what this guy is. I mean, time and time again, that's all he wants to do is obviously fight to the floor, grind you out, wear on you a little bit, and just make this a grueling, miserable fight for you. He's got good ground and pound. Um, you know, he's capable of doing what he does in most cases. If you look at his last fight against Stewart, that was a pretty impressive performance. That was in Cage Warriors, by the way, but it was a UFC fight, if it makes sense, during the pandemic and or whatnot. But that being said, uh, pretty impressive win, and that's what Fabinski is capable of doing exactly that, what he did to Stewart in that spot. But Munez is a different type of fighter. Munez is, uh, I think, a lot more difficult of a test for Fabinski in this spot because Munez is definitely more capable than a guy like Stewart. I think Munez, even if he gets put on his back, he's always searching to try to get an arm bar, trying to, to reverse position, get on top, take somebody's back as well. He's faced wrestlers in the past. I like that about him. I think he's more than capable on the feet. He is the better striker. He's capable of landing some damaging shots there as well. So I think this is stylistically kind of, a tough matchup for Fabinski, to be honest with you. Um, if he wins this fight, it's going to be because he does out-control Munez and, and get in top position a little bit more often and probably wins on the scorecards. He'll edge it out. But I think, again, along the way, Munez is far more difficult to deal with than a lot of Fabinski's past opponents. So Munez is, is game, and I think he could finish this fight along the way. If not, maybe even steal on the scorecards because it'll be pretty close if it does go that um, distance, you know, and the total right now is indicating that it slightly will, but we could see it kind of go either way. I think if, if the Munez wins, it's probably going to be a finish, but again, it'll be close. So I'll pick Munez straight out to get the W over for Binsky because again, I just think it's going to be a miserable fight for both guys throughout the three rounds, but Munez is more capable of finishing along the way. So I'll lean his way and it's a dog or pass situation, the betting window. And I'm going to go the other way. I just think that while Munez is talented and he has some submission skills, Fabinski did not leave enough openings for Muniz to get that submission game going. The only way Muniz is going to be able to submit Fabinski, in my opinion, is if Muniz takes Fabinski down. And I just don't think that he has the wrestling to do that. Uh, Fabinski is a tenacious wrestler that wears people down. But he also doesn't leave a lot of openings for someone with a good ground game like Muniz to find some like to, to create enough space for Muniz to create an opportunity for a submission. Fabinski's perfectly content to get down, get in your guard, be active enough to keep it on the ground, but not take that huge risk going for the big fight ending ground and pound to get up and posture up and drop down some bombs or uh, potentially put yourself in a spot where they can reverse a position while advancing uh, aggressively. That's just not Fabinski's game. I think he's going to be perfectly content to shoot for takedowns, get in Muniz's guard, and just play with shots to the ribs and occasionally mixing it up to the head when uh, the referee says, you know, do something. So uh, I don't see a lot of openings here for Muniz to get that submission. And I think that Fabinski's wrestling is going to be good enough to just ugly this fight up and get top position and grind out a decision. So Fabinski is going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the lightweight division, we have Tiago Moises, who is 13 and four. Jalen Turner, who is nine and five. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? 
Moises open minus 205, Turner plus 175. And right now over at Circus Sports, we have minus 145 for Moises to come back on Turner plus 125. More action coming in Turner's way for us. Not really surprised at the betting odds. I mean, Turner's a, a beast to deal with on the feet as well, man. I mean, the guy definitely has some speed. He's got some power. He's got some length. He's going to have the striking advantage. Moises is getting better on the feet, but I think dealing with Turner is going to be a handful for him that we're out. So obviously, Moises wants to get this fight to the floor. That's where he excels at, and that's where he's going to have a significant advantage over Turner. But Turner has decent takedown defense, so it's not going to be an easy task to do so. I think Moises is constantly getting better. I think his striking game is something that you have to respect at this point as well. So I, I think that he's capable of landing some damaging shots on Turner, even though Turner should be outpointing him and probably delivering more damage on the feet. Um, so I, there's a lot to like about Moises. But this is kind of a tough, difficult spot for him. If he can't get the fight to the floor, obviously he was losing his last fight to Johnson. We all saw that, but he was able finally to kind of have his way, get us to the ground and finish Johnson the opportunity to do so. So that's the kind of opportunistic submission fighter Moises is and it only takes one mistake to get caught so that's where you, the caution is I guess if you're betting Turner here because he has to fight a smart fight but if he does so he should win this fight so I am going to pick Turner I think it is a dog or pass situation yeah Moises is a frustrating fighter like he's talented but he doesn't really have that amazing ability to just dictate his uh, skill on his own um, his last fight I mean he was getting completely outclassed by Michael Johnson. And then he went down and kind of pulled guard and went for a heel hook and it worked out of nowhere. Um, but uh, I've seen Moises really struggle at times as well. Um, it's happened uh, in the Ismagula fight. It happened against Darius. Um, it happened in LFA against Watley. Um, it's, it happened even earlier in his career against Jason Knight. Now, granted, it's typically been against pretty talented opponents, uh, Jalen Turner is very talented. I mean, this guy's athletic. He's got a ton of power. He's going to be clearly the better striker on the feet. It's just going to boil down to, can Moises get this to the floor? And Moises doesn't particularly have that elite wrestling game to drag fights to canvas, but he can get creative like he was in his last fight. So there's definitely a chance that Moises can get this to the ground and go to work. But I have to side with Turner because on the feet, he's going to be having the potential to knock Moises out uh, with some big shots. And uh, if Moises eats too many of those, I think he absolutely could get put away. So I'm going to side with Turner. But again, Moises is a wild card, and you never quite know what to expect with him. And if he does get this to the floor, he could win by submission. But my pick is Turner. Now, moving down to the featherweight division, we have Brian Kelleher, who is 21 and 11, taking on Kevin Nati Vidad, who is 9 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Kelleher open minus 180, Nati Vidad open plus 140. And right now, over at Circus Sports, we have Kelleher minus 220, Nati Vidad at plus 190. A little bit more actually coming in Kelleher's way. I understand it. Natividad stepping in on short notice. He's a pretty good fighter, man. I'm, I'm impressed. I like what I see with him because he's a very clean, accurate, effective striker on the feet. He's got some wrestling to mix in. He's got a little bit of athleticism going with. So this guy is definitely a guy to watch in the future. I think he's going to continue to improve. 
Um, but unfortunately for him, he's stepping up a weight class here. I know Kelleher has fought a bantamweight before as well, but that being said, still, it is what it is. Kelleher's been used to kind of fighting the bigger boys. He's fought part of the better competition throughout his career. I don't think Natividad is going to actually have much to offer for Kelleher other than maybe a little bit of speed. And, you know, in the boxing, you have to respect if you're Kelleher, but I think Kelleher is going to be the bully here. I think Kelleher is going to be the one doing more damage on the feet, possibly getting a finish. Um, standing around here. I mean, Kelleher is definitely the more, I think, opportunistic and uh, I think capable offensive submission fighter in this spot too. So I really think that Kelleher is just going to outgun Natividad in this spot. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean Natividad is not a good fighter. You know, I, I just think in this spot on short notice, he's just in over his head, I guess, in this situation, but he'll bounce back drop back to uh, the Bantamweight division, and I'm sure have a little bit of success if matched right in the UFC in the future. But for this fight, it's hard not to like Kelleher here. I think it's a favorite or pass with Kelleher. Yeah, I like Kelleher as well. Now, both of these guys have fought at Bantamweight. Kelleher, though, has had some success at Featherweight. Um, now, Natividad has, is moving up a weight, as Nick mentioned. And while he is an LFA veteran, my main issue is, he hasn't really faced a, a who's who of really good fighters in LFA. Uh, even though he's fought there four times, his opponents were three and two, and that guy beat him, uh, an eight and seven guy, and two and one guy, a seven and seven guy, and a ten and five guy. So he clearly was fighting on the undercard most of the time in LFA. And, uh, I just don't really haven't seen a lot. Like that last performance against Estrada was impressive. But it's not like he was just destroying these guys either. I mean, he lost in 10 seconds to one of them. He lost, or uh, he won split decisions against a seven and seven guy. So I just, I'm not quite convinced that he has the skills to come in here on shortness, up a weight class, granted against somebody that's pretty similar in size, make his UFC debut and beat somebody as talented as Brian Kelleher. So uh, I have to side with Kelleher. I think Kelleher is going to be as good or better in every facet in submissions in striking in power and especially in experience. I mean, this is by far the best opponent uh, Natividad has ever faced in his entire career. And while Natividad has a puncher's chance, Kelleher's pretty tough. And I, uh, I think that he can survive whatever Natividad throws at him. So Kelleher's my pick. Now moving up to the welterweight division, we have uh, Mikel P Pereira, who is 23 and 11 taking on Zalim Imadayev, who is eight and two. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Prayer open minus 135, Imadayev at plus 115. And right now, looking over Circus Sports, we have Prayer minus 118, minus 102 on Imadayev. Tough one, man. I mean, it's close to a pick em fight for a reason. It opened close to a pick em fight and it's sitting close to a pick em fight. It's difficult because I think the trust level you have to have in Pereira is kind of a head scratcher. I mean, the ability offensively is there. He's a flashy fighter. We all know he's a very unorthodox, effective unorthodox. I mean, he's exclusive, landing a, a flying knee, doing those flips, everything that he does, man. I mean, the guy's fun to watch for sure, but he does tend to gas a little bit. He needs to pace himself. He started showing a little bit more maturity along the way, obviously, um, so far in his UFC career. But he has continued to show that growth, I think, mentally and physically in that nature. But uh, like as far as physique and everything, athleticism, like I said, this guy, it's hard to outdo him in that 
area, I guess, because the guy is just off the charts. So Emidayev is in for a fight here for sure. I think he's a little bit more clean, a little bit more all. He's got some nice boxing. I think he's got power. If Pereira starts slowing down, Emidayev, I think, can definitely start taking this fight over. But he tends to slow down a little bit as the fight progresses as well. So this is going to be interesting. Um, I just think Emidayev is probably the better overall, again, more technical martial artist. But Pereira should be the more effective mixed martial artist in this spot. And I think it'll go back and forth. But I lean slightly towards Pereira. Hopefully his cardio does kind of hang in there. It's it's a difficult one to bet, though. I mean, I'm not, like, jumping or, or anticipating or, or just, like, going crazy trying to bet this fight, put it that way. I think this is a very interesting head-scratcher type of fight, and I think the winner of this fight is really going to elevate him to another level, meaning that he's going to take a big step forward and probably get matched with a high-level competitor next. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, but my pick slightly is Pereira. And I'm going to go Pereira as well. Um, he is just too talented to screw this up. He got a little tired and gassed himself out, dancing to the cage and throwing and doing flips in his first UFC loss. Then his last fight, he was dominating Diego Sanchez. He had no business losing that fight, but he did something dumb. He had Sanchez on the ropes and then eagerly need him. I think personally, Sanchez milked it to get the DQ win, but regardless, uh, Pereira is an extremely talented striker, great kicks, decent punching, wild techniques that are just astounding and can get a finish out of anywhere. Um, while Imadayev, like he came into the UFC on a bit of a wave of hype with a huge winning streak, but all he's done is lose. I mean, Max Griffin won a close decision against him, but then Danny Roberts knocked him out last night. Um, it just seems like it's been a big flop so far. I mean, he does have some ability. Uh, he has multiple knockouts to his name. Uh, he had finished every opponent he'd faced heading into the UFC, and he just hasn't been able to get it done against uh, top competition. Uh, and I think that, that was his biggest weakness, was he just never really faced a lot of really good fighters. And this might be the best striker he's faced yet. So unless he can drag this to the ground and beat uh, Pereira up on the canvas. I just don't really see uh, a clean path to victory here for Imadayev other than landing that big shot if uh, Pereira gets sloppy. So my pick's going to be Pereira. I just think he outpoints Imadayev until he lands something nasty and finishes him. Now, moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Ovin St. Preux, who is 24 and 14, taking on Alonzo Menafield in a rescheduled fight, who is 9 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Menafield open minus 115, OSP, Ovin St. Preux minus 105, and right now what we're seeing at Circus Sports, Menafield minus 130, comeback on OSP plus 110. There's going to be a lot of two action in this fight. I think there's so coming in on Menafield a little bit because of the hype, the popularity, the, I, I think the narrative overall in this spot. I mean, OSP dropping back down to light heavyweight after not a successful fight, obviously at heavyweight. Um, but OSP overall has been best martial artist, the more established mixed martial artist. I mean, he's accomplished so much throughout his career, has faced high level competition is the more, I think capable and smarter fighter of the two as far as fight IQ, everything across the board. Uh, obviously he's long, he's difficult matchup for most people in this division as well, but Menafield is explosive. I mean, this guy's a beast. Just check out this guy's physique. I mean, just everything that you expect to get from him, he delivers when he's in the, with the cage for sure. But the problem with Menafield is as 
the fight progresses a little bit and you can weather that storm, he gets himself in some tough spots, as we've seen in the Clark fight. I was able to successfully bet Clark against Metafield in his last fight, had to weather that early storm, and I was fortunate to cash that ticket. Thankfully, it worked out that way. But um, that being said, I think it's going to be a similar situation here. I think OSP is going to have to weather that early storm. I think if Menafield wins, it's probably going to be possibly within the first few exchanges or early on in the fight by knockout. But if not, I think OSP finds a spot, gets his fight to the ground, and on the ground, he's going to have a significant advantage. I think he finishes the fight, whereas Clark wasn't able to do. I think OSP will definitely do that. So I'm leaning a little bit more towards OSP. I know he can get starched. I know he can get knocked out early, and, and that's kind of the position he's in here for Menfield to get a big, huge win. But I, it's hard to deny OSP as the better fighter here. And I think, again, fight IQ, everything cross the board. So if he can weather that storm, I think he can win this fight. I'm picking OSP. And we've talked about this fight already, so I'm not going to say much that's too different here. But uh, OSP is getting older. Um, he's getting knocked out more often. He's eating big shots. He'd still dish it out. He has power, and he does have the superior ground game if he can drag this to the floor. But on the feet, I think Menafield's going to be faster, quicker. Uh, I think he'll have the better reflexes, and I think that his power is just as good as OSP's, if not better. And... I think if it stays standing while OSP has a puncher's chance, it could be only a matter of time before Menafield puts him away. Now, Menafield can be beaten. We've seen that uh, if somebody is able to kind of take away his weapons and the distance on him, whether it's on the ground or in the clinch, just ugly the fight up. But if OSP can't do that, if and he's not a particularly amazing wrestler, he can get it to the floor, but if he can't, that he's in a world of trouble. So uh, I'm going to side with Menafield. I just think that he's going to be too explosive. Um, he's the fighter with a little bit more momentum. This would be a huge feather in his cap to get him back on track in the light heavyweight division. And I think that Menafield pulls this off. Now, this brings us to the main event of the evening in the heavyweight division. We have Alistair Overeem, who is 46-18, and 18, taking on Augusto Sakai, who is 15-1-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Overeem opened minus 270, Sakai plus 230. And right now, the line over at Circus Sports is minus 160 for Overeem. The comeback at Sakai at plus 140. Man, did we miss the boat out there. For those of you guys that got Sakai at plus 230, good price. Win or lose, I mean, you guys grab tremendous line value. I mean, anything close to plus 200, hats off to you here in this spot. Um, I think there's still a little bit of value probably at the plus 140 mark where, you know, the market is right now. I thought, I mean, if you're getting over him at a like lower price, like we did last time against Harris, I mean, obviously it's a different, completely different fight, um, different situation than Overeem versus Harris, but and, and that's the kind of pricing I would like if I was going to kind of lean towards Overeem in the spot. I think he's obviously the better mixed martial artist. He's faced the who's who. He's on a pretty good roll here overall. I mean, I'm surprised he's still competing at this high level against good competition. I mean, you cannot count this guy out. His durability has been questioned in the past, and it's kind of been up and down. But overall, I think he showed some life despite having kind of a question um, and being knocked out so many times. So I, I've actually been pretty impressed with Overeem. He, like I said, by far the better mixed martial artist here. Um, but in a five round fight, man, there's always a sweat with Overeem in his chin these days. So I think Sakai, if he could probably avoid Overeem kind of keeping up, up against the cage, maybe look for a takedown or so, I think Sakai can kind of have that advantage as far as getting a little bit of speed and landing that shot, that knockout, that rocking shot to put Overeem out in a five round fight. I think he's going to have his, 
ability and, and his opportunities to, to get in that. And I think overall, if this fight does go to the ground, Overeem has a huge edge, but Sakai is a lot more capable of defending than a guy like Harris would be. So this is a different matchup, a little bit of a tougher matchup, I think, for Overeem, and I think it's a dog or pass situation. I'm actually going to pick Sakai to pull up win, but it's not a very confident pick. Like I said, the better mixed martial arts Overeem, I think he's the better wrestler. I think he's the better overall striker, too, as well. I just think Sakai, with his speed and his power in a five-round fight, might be problematic. So I wouldn't be surprised if Overeem gets this done, but it's hard to lay minus 160 on that side of it. I'll go against the grain and just pick Sakai to win straight out. So my pick is Sakai and what should be a pretty good fight. And I'm going to come in the other way. I just think Overeem has too many tools uh, in his toolkit to, to for Sakai to overcome. Now, clearly, if Sakai is going to win, I think it has to be knockout. I do not see him winning a five-round decision. I think Overeem is the superior technical striker. I think Overeem's quicker. Um, the only thing that Overeem has a disadvantage is that he cannot take a really good punch anymore. Uh, and we've seen that you know multiple times throughout his UFC career where he just ate something nasty and got finished. Um, it's happened you know by Stipe, by um, Travis, by Bigfoot Silva. Um, you know it's happened multiple times. But um, Overeem is fighting at a really high level right now. He understands where his weaknesses are, and he is four seconds away from being on a massive four-fight winning streak in the UFC and potentially working towards another title shot. Um, you know, he's beat uh, Sergey Pavlovich, who is fighting pretty well, uh, Alexei Olenek, who's been fighting well, uh, Walt Harris most recently, and he was four seconds away from beating Rosenstruik, who is super dangerous. So, you know, this guy is still fighting at a very high level, and uh, I think he can push uh, Sakai into the fence. I think he can potentially drag this to the floor. We've seen him multiple times take fights to the ground against dangerous strikers like Harris. Um, so I absolutely think he can do that. Um, we've seen him potentially go for submissions earlier in his career. He does have a decent submission game and ground game. So uh, I think there are multiple ways for Overeem to win this. And I think he potentially could still win it on the feet in open space. Sakai has a lot of power, but the technique does not match Overeem, who is, you know, has some really strong world-class kickboxing skills. Um, as long as Overeem can avoid that big shot, and that is a, an if, because, I mean, even in his last fight that he won, he almost got finished by Walt Harris, but then he recovered and then turned the tables. So... If he can survive the, a big shot or just avoid the big shot from Sakai, I think Sakai's in a world of trouble. I mean, you look at who he's beat, uh, Sakai, uh, he's, he's struggled, you know, split decision win against Andre Arlovsky, uh, a split decision win against Blagoy Ivanov. Like he really had to, uh, push to get those decisions and they could have gone the other way. Uh, they were really not that impressive performances, uh, performances. Now, he did pick up some knockout wins in the UFC as well. Uh, I think the Tibura knockout was particularly impressive, but um, I, I really, I think Sakai's stock has dropped a little bit for me, especially with that last performance against Ivanov. So uh, you, you even go back to his Bellator days when he lost a split decision to Czech Congo. So I think that he can be bullied. I think Overeem can take away Sakai's weapons, and I think Overeem could potentially just outstrike him. So I like Overeem to get the win as long as he avoids that big shot. 
So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Vegas 9. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to chow MMA OB Premium because that's where we'll post them first. We also have a free bet section on MMAOnsBreaker.com, uh, typically with bets from Rockstar Z. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and the betting gods are on your side this weekend.